Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. It is a Monday. We are in a Monday through Friday editions now of Flyers Daily, which means we'll have another brand new episode tomorrow and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. We'll be off for the weekend. And when the regular season starts, we'll go to seven days a week. But it is a Monday, as I said. You read this man's work on NHL.com, on HockeyBuzz.com, and, of course, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com. It is Mr. Bill Meltzer. Bill, how you doing? I am doing great. I'm really, you know, I, I enjoyed the two rookie rookie games this weekend. It was nice to actually have some, you know, not, not competitive hockey, but but uh, not, 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 not in the full sense, but it was, it was nice to have some hockey back and, you know, two wins, and they, there was stuff to talk about from both of them, so. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it feels great and camp starting this week and, you know, it's uh, a, a chance to look forward. So, because uh, I, I know you and I are both sick and tired talking about last year. So, yeah, talking about what's going on now. Yeah, and that's going to lead us into some more of, you know, the pressing questions heading into this 2019, uh, or 2019, God, I'm so out of it, uh, the 2022-2023 season. Yeah, we were talking about Metallica and Ozzy before, so I'm a little brain mushed right now. Um, but before we get to that, I want to ask you about a couple of players that you got to see in the, in these rookie games. And I want to start with a guy that, you know, Ian LePerriere said that, uh, boy, if I have him this year, I'm going to really look forward to coaching him. And that's Tyson Forster. He had a golden assist on the weekend. We saw the howitzer of a shot and release that he has. What were your impressions of Tyson, uh, both with the puck and just as importantly, Bill, without it? Well, he's, you know, he we all we always knew he was a shoot first guy. Um, that uh, game winner in overtime on on Friday was legit. I mean, that he gets rid of the puck so fast. And it was it was a five hole goal, but I mean, puck was on a stick, was off the stick with, with movement on it. And, and the goalie uh, didn't even budge. <laughs> didn't didn't even move. Didn't he didn't see it. It was, it was past him in a flash. Um, you know, his hands have always been legit. It's been other parts of his game that he's had he's had to work on. Um, you know, I, I, on in the Saturday's, Saturday's game, the first goal by Zamula, that was a hell of a uh, a, a low to high pass out to Zamula by Forster, actually. Yeah. You know, he's he's always had that little bit of underrated in his passing ability because everybody focuses on the shooting. Um, you know, he's 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 added some muscle to his frame. Um, never been known as a physical guy, but he was pretty feisty in the two games. He was mixing it up. That was, uh, you know, that's something a little bit new for him, actually. Uh, you know, and, and Lappy said that's something that could help him. Uh, just don't go crazy with it. Don't start running around now that you're you know, a little, little bit stronger. Um, so, I mean, all, all those are good things. Um, you know, his play without the puck, he's season continues to improve. It's still a little, still a little bit of a work in progress. Um, wasn't really tested so much in that regard, just because, especially on especially on Friday, the fan, the Flyers side had the had the puck most of the game, uh, and on Saturday it was really the, the Samuel Erson show. For much of the game, despite yeah. the five to one final score, um, you know, I, I I think Forster could use a little bit of AHL time, half a season, a quarter of a season, even just depending on, you know, on, on how he progresses and opportunity. what uh, you know, what opportunities arise in the NHL. Yeah. But you know, but but look at where he was last season, where he missed most of the year with the shoulder injury, and really. Didn't look like himself again until really till the World Juniors. And the World Juniors where he kind of knocked some of the rust off and started looking like the player he did before the injury. Now now his confidence is sky high. And he looks really, really good. Um you know, he was on that line with the Cates brothers, and they were they're pretty fun to watch. That third period on on Friday, this is you know, this is just the the nature of hockey, uh, a reminder of it. 
uh, on Friday, the Flyers rookie side just took over that game in the third period. It was lopsided. I just tilted, right? No goals. No goals. You go overtime. And then and then on Saturday, uh, I think the shots were 13 to nothing before the – and then, then the uh, Flyers scored in their first shot, and they scored in their – Third shot and yeah, they come out of it too. Honestly, yeah, come out of it. Come out of winning two to nothing out of that first period. And then they scored five goals with fifteen shots for the game. And that's just that's just the nature of the beast. But but I thought that the top two lines, the uh, Denoy A line and the uh, the the Cates brothers with uh, Forster, they're they're very good. They're very good in both games. So that uh, it's nice to see. I mean, you you don't you don't put too much into rookie games, but you know. It was it it was I think it was an encouraging sign. It's something that he can continue to build off of. We'll see how he does in camp. If you remember last year, uh, when AV was still the coach, they they actually tried Forster not only the NHL guys but PP one in the uh, mm-hmm. in a little bit in the preseason. He wasn't ready for it yet. I, I think he he's a little more ready now. I think he's close. I think I think I don't think he's far away at all. You know, it's funny because you know. With a guy like Forrester, we hear this so much so often about guys that are pure shooters and goal scorers like Forrester. The one aspect of their game, there's a lot of those guys that have an underrated playmaking you know, ability that often gets overlooked. There's a lot of those guys like that across the league and across many years. They're pure goal scorers and shooters, but they also have the unique ability to really set plays up. Like you mentioned that play, the low to high, which is a horrible play for a goaltender. It's just a horrible situation to low to high because, you, you know, you're looking almost behind you and the puck goes to a guy that you can't have eyes on or feel where he is. And Zamula picks up that one. So let's talk about Zamula. He put on some muscle, Bill. I think he said 12 pounds of muscle this summer. That's a great sign for him. That's been one thing that that he has not been able to do because he had the illness and lost weight. But adding the muscle now and being able to keep it on is a good thing. Now he's got to keep it on through playing. Yeah, exactly. That, I mean, maintaining that way through a season. I'll probably lose some. Yeah, but uh, you know, which is almost inevitable. But, but just if he keeps most of it on, and like, he, I mean, he's he's just out of the gates in a hurry. He's uh, he's up. He had if you could script out how a guy would go into NHL camp out of a rookie camp. I mean, he's going into his third pro year, so the rookie camp is not as much of a test as as it is for some other guys. Um, but you but you look at the added weight. You add, you look at how assertive he's been. And you look at the elements he's already had. He has the good mobility, uh, the good first pass, the quick stick. I mean, all, all the things that you look for. Um, and uh, you think, hey, you know, if, there, if there's an injury on the big team, I mean, both, both he and Ronnie Adder, truth be told, they're battling a numbers game here right now. So I, I would say chances are, particularly with uh, both guys being waiver exempt, they're going to start with the Phantoms. But – as an opportunity arises and it's going to arise because there are going to be injuries. That's just inevitable. I, I feel a degree of confidence and actually one of the areas, and I was talking about this in the, in the press box uh, the other day. And one of the areas I think the flyers are going to be significantly better than a year ago is on the third pairing. Um, whether that's Justin Braun with, with Cam York or other combinations end up arising as injuries happen, pieces get shuffled around. I think the Flyers' third pair is going to be a pair that you're not holding your breath with out there. Yeah, and, With Yandel, uh, you were holding your breath. He could have been with, you know, Lidstrom, or he could have been with 
you know, Raymond Bork and you would have held your breath. True. Yes. Truth be told. Yeah. I don't mean to, I don't mean to kind of knock him down or anything, but I mean, he, he was not equipped to be an NHL defenseman last year. No. And, and it's, uh, you know, and maybe not in the locker room edition by subtraction, but on the ice. It, it yeah. Truthfully is. I agree with you. And, and Bill, you know, for all the doom and gloom we hear about the Flyers, there's, you know, and prospects and lack of development, there is some depth organizationally on that blue line. I mean, you talk about Zamula, you talk about York, who's going to be presumably a full-time member of the big club this year. Uh, you have a lot of left-side guys in the pipeline. Uh, you've got some good depth at that, at that position. So, And look, I always say you could never have too much date. No, absolutely not. And, and uh, you know, Adderd, I mean, Adderd, I thought during his trial with the Flyers at the end of the year, he had those rough first few games. Yeah, and then dash he got four and dash five in there, and he, and he rebounded. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was, he was, I think, minus nine after about three, four games. Yeah. And he finished at minus two. And I'm, plus minus is what it is, but the Flyers weren't winning. Yeah. Uh, it, it wasn't like he caught a, they caught a late winning streak, and he was benefiting from that. He just, he just played pretty well. And... You know, he, as you as you saw in the as you saw in the rookie games, we're still a little bit of up and down. Um, there was a time or two where he got caught out of position and they got past them and that kind of thing. Shook it off, got better as the game went along. He got he got under he got under Rangers players' skin, and of course, this is not the number one thing that he brings. And you saw it in the power play goal. He can crank, he can crank those one timers up from the point, and it's overpowering. He has just a Tremendous shot. Um, and add, add to that the size of the physical element he brings. Hey, I mean, he, he plays the right side, right-handed shooter. Yep. That's the player I think you know, could end up could end up help, depending on how things go this year. He's a guy who could end up helping the Flyers more than I think people have, have done on paper, too, just depending just depending on how opportunities arise. So there's, def, there's definitely some depth on the blue line. You know, yeah. there, there, there's some questions on how the top pair will gel. And, and that kind of thing. But I actually, I actually don't think it's a bad group. Yeah. I mean, the, the Tony D'Angelo, look, he played on a top pair last year on one of the best defensive teams in the entire league. I think they were fourth in goals allowed last year, um, Carolina. And he played on that top pair with a great partner, Jacob Slavin's a great partner. And it was a good D pair, but they complemented each other. And we'll see. That's going to be one of the questions we're going to get to in the questions that we get to leading up to the season. But I want to say about one more guy. The, the other thing with Adder, too, like he's got a bomb, but he's also got a really sneaky release i remember he went off the rush bar down short side on jack campbell yeah. last year yeah. and i remember saying and doing it on the podcast and jack campbell wasn't expecting that i wasn't expecting that i don't yeah. know that adderd was expecting that <laughs> no hell of yeah, a shot. just a quick snapshot and it was i mean you, usually you just don't beat a, an nhl goalie like that and right. it, uh, i went back and watched the replay several times and Campbell was even shaded short side, knowing that anything long side miss is going out of the zone. And it was just a hell of a shot. So, uh, but let's talk about uh, Denoye because I think he's a really interesting guy. He's a fun player, isn't he? He is. I, and especially, especially on Friday's game, I thought he was the best player in the ice for either team. And a lot of it was off, off the puck. Mm-hmm. Um, he is tenacious. He'll, you know, he'll make it. Yeah, I mean he's scrappy, and he, uh, I mean he he's airtight in his checking much of the time, and he he's quick in transition too. He can skate, he can he can trigger a counter rush, and you know he buzzes around the net too frequently, and he can you know the the uh, the give and go sequence. Zade Wisdom got the goal, 
and yeah. uh, Lixo got the, the primary assist, but it was really the entry uh, by Denoye and the little touch pass he had that really set the, set the rest of that sequence in motion. And, you know, so he didn't, he didn't light it up on the scoreboard point-wise. He did have, a, did have a few assists. But this is a very smart hockey player and a guy who, again, where I said Forcer's not far away at all. I don't think Denoye is far away at all either. Uh, yeah. there, there's, there's some similarities to his game uh, and Noah Cates. Just, just in terms of being a very smart player, a guy who doesn't have to score to, to contribute, and a guy who contributes all the little things the right way just by being in the right position on the forecheck. He'll get, he'll get back on plays. He knows when to exit the zone. He doesn't cheat, doesn't cheat on the play, but when the puck goes out, he can, he can do things once, uh, you know, once, once you're out of the D zone. So that's a guy who I, I thought, boy, he's going to do – he's going to play a lot of time get a ton of ice time for the fans, maybe maybe even in all situations guy. And I think a guy could be in the flyer sooner rather than later. And maybe not a maybe not playing in the top six, but a guy who makes the entire lineup better and you could move around as you need to. You you need that versatility in a lineup. Yeah. So maybe you know, maybe he's not a superstar upside guy, but he's a guy who could come in and help pretty much any team's lineup. I, I think in the relatively a multitude of roles. Yeah, and fill multitude of rules, whatever whatever you need him to do, um, and he has a little bit of little bit of feistiness to him as well. Um, so I, I I really think that he's a guy who like a Sutter brother to you, a little bit, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he looks like to me. Yeah, it's not not, not a bad comparison actually. Yeah, like 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 a Ron Sutter. Yeah, kind of that's thing. what I see in him. Yeah, yeah, and that, that, that yeah that's not that's not, that's not that's not a bad comparison. In the uh, in the World Juniors, they had him in the fourth line. And so it's not a glamorous role, but you know the he checked really well. And then then when uh, Ridley Gregg goes down, they move him up in the lineup, and you're noticing more in the offensive zone too. So he, he can he can do a lot of things. Very versatile player for a hockey team. So even if he starts with the Phantoms, which I think the odds favor, another guy who I think would be in the NHL and be be a pretty good player. So you know again, it speaks to the the Flyers were just so inundated with prospect injuries in recent years. Uh, and whether, whether it was Urson, whether it's, it's Bobby Brink now, Bobby Brink's not even be playing until midseason. Uh, you know, uh, Lazinski has had the surgeries on both Wade Allison, I mean, Wade yeah. Allison, uh, Frost basically lost a year. You know, all, all, so many young players were just really set back by injuries. I, I, I think that the reason why the, why the farm system was so highly rated for a number of years was mainly due to depth. It wasn't really due to the top, top yeah. end guys. Yeah. But most of those guys are still in the system. So those are guys who can come in and help. It's the the top of the lineup that maybe they're still trying to catch up with some of the other teams. But in terms of their ability to roll out quality lines and and, and to, you know, I hate to keep using the word play the game the right way, but these are players that can contribute in different ways. They're there. They're there. And, and the young guys who are filtering up now are not are not far away. And you and Chuck Fletcher's has mentioned it. Danny Breyer's mentioned it. There's still the need is there for high end talent, and that's going to lead us to our first question. Yeah. But real quick, did Denoy was his dad his coach at some point? Because he looks like the son of a coach to me. His dad, his dad was a coach. Yeah, actually, yeah, been, knew it, knew it. Actually, been teammates with Lappy too. Oh, is that time. right? Yeah, so they, they play. So his dad was a defenseman, but uh, his yeah. his dad his dad was uh, Elliot's. Yeah, first teacher of the game, and I think believe the first coach too. So yeah, you, you can see it. You, when, yep. when a guy comes from a hockey family and is well schooled in the game, yeah, you, the details. Yeah, it's the details exactly. Yep. 
they, they it's the same thing you see with Jackson and Noah Cates. Yeah, same, same thing, same thing. Yep. I swear you can see that on the ice. You go, I know your dad was a coach and a guy who knew the game because he has taught you the finer detail of defensive zone play, neutral zone play, and offensive zone play. It's detail game. You may not be a superstar, but there's detail in those games because they've it's been car ride after car ride talked about. And that's what it is. It's 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 not a mistake. But that does lead me to the first question, Bill. Uh, we're looking at the you know most pertinent questions heading into the season, first under torts. But who's going to fill in the role for the Flyers this year as, you know, pseudo the team's best player or the most feared player by the opposition? It's it's something that I've been tossing around in my head. You know, I, I don't know. They don't have a Giroux, who was that guy for many years for them, yeah. where he commanded a ton of attention. And I'm trying to think who that guy is going to be. Is Is it a guy coming off the back end? I mean, you don't want that guy to be your most feared guy to be your second pairing left side defenseman in Travis Sanheim, although he should they will have to account for him because of his ability to join and start the rush. But who is that guy that could be the most feared guy or should be the most feared guy? I that 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 that's a that's a great question. And I do think that is where the Flyers lack. The fact that we don't have a definitive answer is yeah. part of the problem. It, it it should be it should be an easy answer, exactly. Yep. I, it really has to be by committee. Yeah. And one of those different line, different players step up every night. And um, but you, but you do need your, you do need those, you know, ideally those one, one go to line, you know, uh, you, you know, game is game is on the line. You're you're tied. You're a goal up. You're a goal down. You know, you send the Legion of Doom over the boards, right? They're they don't have that. They don't have that. Um, there's no LCB line. There's there's not a not a Tim Kerr who you know, could it could any time explode offensively? They just don't have it. So it, it is going to have to be by committee, and they're going to have to. One thing the Flyers were doing well when they had some of the semi recent years that they were, you know, uh, at least in the middle of the pack or better than the middle of the pack offensively was uh, obviously besides Giroux, but the, the, the ability of defensemen to jump up in the play and contribute, you know, from, from the back end. They're gonna need. They're gonna need a fair amount of that this year. Yeah. D'Angelo is a big piece of that. Sandheim has to continue to grow into that. Cam York. I mean, they may have a guy in every pairing that they can. They can do that, and and you know, Provorov contributes offensively as well. So you get three decent offensive lines, maybe not a dominant one, and contribution. You know, a contribution from the blue line. You know, you you can scratch out some some wins that way um, as long as they could. As long as they play, with, as, as we talked about, with structure and cutting the goals against average, they can get enough offense to, to win. Um, but that, that's really what separates the Flyers from the, the top contenders, where there, there isn't that dominant line. And if nothing else, if nothing else is going on to give night, you have the superstar or two who might pick, put you up on his back and, and carry you for, for that game or for, for a week, that isn't there. You're gonna to have to have guys like you know Travis Konechny get on a heater, and then when if he's not on a heater, a guy like Kevin Hayes is gonna to have to step up, or Sean Couturier. You don't have that guy that's just an offensive dynamo that can control a game every time he steps on the ice, where the other team goes, "Oh no, he's on the ice. We got to really bear down here." They, they need that's what they need to acquire in some way, shape, or form, or develop. Um, which leads me to my next question. You mentioned D'Angelo, and you know, obviously, it looks like you know, Ryan Ellis is not going to start the season alongside Ivan Provorov on that top pair. It's likely going to be Tony D'Angelo and Ivan Provorov. So how will that Provorov-D'Angelo 
pair mesh on the ice and off the ice. Because on the ice, you know, obviously we just mentioned D'Angelo played with Slavin last year, who is a st- really good defender. Um, you know, not the greatest guy at, you know, getting pushing the puck up the ice. That's what D'Angelo was for. You know, a retrieval guy, but not necessarily the transition guy. That's D'Angelo. That's what he did uh, with Carolina, and they'll be looking for him to do that this year. But I think I'm just also as, as much intrigued by that as I am is, you know, the, the, the personality of the players off the ice. We know Tony is very, very emotional, you know, and wants to win. Provost's very, you know, competitive, but very stoic. How does that, yeah. how does that kind of work on both of those areas, on and off the ice? That really, if things are going well for the team, then it, then it'll be a non-issue. They'll be fine. But I do I do have concerns with just as you say, just how emotional that that's, it cuts both ways. With with D'Angelo, he's always walking a fine line between his emotion, helping him, and hurting him. And uh, I mean, Tortorella is going to be on top of that too. Uh, I, I could see a time or two where Tortorella yanks him back down on the bench and gets in his face. You know? Yeah, those two are going to battle. Two Pisons yeah. going at it, two Italian. They both want the same thing. Yeah. And they're both emotional. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, D'Angelo, D'Angelo was a guy who, uh, you know, he'll, he'll get on a teammate. Not He'll get on a teammate, uh, you know, and I, I, I really think that, I really think that it's going to be a test on both of their emotional maturity. Because Provorov, Provorov, I think, too, is a guy who, if he doesn't think a teammate is, uh, you know, his, he's basically stoic. But I, I think it's an interesting mix of personalities. I don't know how they're, I don't know how well they're gonna, they're gonna mesh all the time. Um, yeah. And they're gonna be, I think, some other adjustments too, where Ivan is used to playing every situation, including power play. When I'm looking how the power play, well, maybe he'll get PP two time. But I think PP one belongs to D'Angelo. They're gonna go go four forwards, one defenseman. I think that's D'Angelo's role. And then he's competing for PP two time with York, maybe to a degree. Yeah. yeah. So I, I could see PP two having Risto Linen in York because Risto's got that big shot yeah. and playing the right yeah. side on PP two with York on the left side. Yeah, and it, you know, and they they might they might throw those different looks out there. I I think there's gonna be competition. For, for power play time. I don't think it's set in stone who, yeah. you know, it, that everybody's going to always be on there. And competition can be a good thing, but it also can tell you, as we were saying with the, the you know, the superstar, superstar top, top end town, it also tells you you don't have necessarily the obvious guys, right, to, yeah. to play that. So uh, you, you might default beginning of the year, uh, something like JVR, you know, with Couturier, Konechny, um, Atkinson, Atkinson, yeah, Atkinson certainly, and, and then a then a D-man. but that doesn't going to stay that way all year. You know, a guy like Frost or Tippett or you know or Hayes or whatever they they might if you know they they might have something to say about that over the course of the season. That's at least what you Cole want. Farabee too, yeah. Oh yeah, when Farabee gets back, I was I was yep. thinking more of the, like just right off the bat the Reality start of the gate, season. Yeah. I, I think I think Farabee is in the mix to potentially play you know, pretty high in that PP rotation. Just so that's how it goes. So. Competition's a good thing, but uh, just you know, there's so much to prove. There's so much to prove on on both sides of the puck. But I mean, the power play is such a key to the season, and there's nowhere to go but up. 
Yeah. But even, you know, if you get the power play from where it was, even about 18%, which is still the bottom half of the league, you know, it, 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 that probably would have been worth another seven, eight points last season. Just, just, a, yeah. just a minor improvement on the power play. They had so many... They had so many games or one goal games that were going into third periods where a power play goal would change the complexion of it. So that that's something that I think definitely monitors watching. Uh, it's not a guarantee that Provorov is going to be there, and and so just uh, just what you know, just what minutes he's playing, he's still going to see a lot of tough minutes on the blue line. Play a lot of other teams' top top lines, but just. You know how how he adjusts to everything this season, including his partner, just including the the whole fit of the team. I think this is this is a crucial year for Provorov, a bounce back year. It's critical to to where the team needs to get to, and and if it's not there, then it's you know we're talking about much worse case scenarios. So if he could get back to about where he was in twenty you know, the twenty nineteen twenty season, or even where he was when he was playing with Ghost and I I don't like comparing Ghost and D'Angelo too much because they're they're not really clones as players. No, no. But it, it's a cl- it's the closest approximation you can have until they actually play together. Yeah, you know the funny thing is, as much as they didn't score on the power play last year, I think the more detrimental part, Bill, was that it was so ugly, yeah. and the inability to even obtain the zone because a power play, even if you don't score, can tilt the momentum in a game, and it was so deflating most of the time. I mean, I remember a point last year we would say in the press box when they would get a power play, can can they decline the penalty? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because they were playing well five-on-five, five, then they go in the power play, and it'd be an absolute abomination, and then they would lose momentum, and the PK would gain momentum for the other team, and then they'd shift the game in that manner. And plus, we were so used to seeing that power play with Drew emanate off that left half wall, and it's not going to yeah. be the case anymore. So we're going to see something that looks fairly different as well. I know this next question is one that we really can't answer. So I'm just going to ask you for a kind of a gut impact on this one. But, you know, Ryan Ellis, we saw him four games last year. It's been, it was week to week. It was day to day, week to week, month to month. It was a surgery. Was he going to have surgery? Multiple injuries, core related, all of that. Uh, he's obviously not going to start the season, Ryan Ellis. But do we see him at all this season? Do we see, does it? Does Ryan Ellis play for the Flyers this year? And if he doesn't play this year, you know, if he plays yeah, four I mean, games in two seasons, that, that's, yeah. I mean, I mean my that's got curtains, right? You would think. Yeah. I, 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 would, I would think so. Four games in two years, it, it's, uh, it has to be basically career-threatening. I, 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 I'd like to get a little more, again, I'd like to get some clarity as to, what kind of a setback did he have? And is he really, is he back to square one again? Yeah. And in lieu, in lieu of having some kind of surgery to take care of it, well, what's to say he doesn't get to about the same level again? And then, and then have another setback. He, he hasn't even, you know, was never even cleared to practice. I know he was skating. He was working out off the ice and he was progressing to whatever degree and express optimism. But at, at a certain point, there's still no timetable from the, to, Potentially, potentially get into uh, get into non-contact drills and skating. So, my gut feeling is no until I'm given a reason to feel otherwise. Yeah, yeah. I just there's just such little in, little info that we know that we yeah. can't make any sort of educated guess on it. Yeah. Um, last one to tackle in this episode, Bill, is the goaltending position. 
Um, Carter Hart's a guy that we all have a lot of faith in, and I think his environment's going to be improved, and they're going to defend less, I think. But, you know, the backup goaltender position is a pretty significant one, A, because I don't think Hart's ever gone through a season without missing a little bit of time. He gets nicked up here and there, and and you can't play 70 games in the NHL anymore. Even Vasilevsky doesn't play 70. So you're going to have to play your backup. You've got, I think, 18 or 17 back-to-backs, so that's almost, you know, tap in your backup right there. I mean, I think we both assume that it's going to be Sandstrom over Grosnick, right? I I would say that he is the inside track right now. Um, yeah. Grosnick has been a very good AHL goalie, but has barely ever played in the NHL. And and although Grosnick has, you know, won goaltending awards in the American League and had the lowest goals against last year, there's a reason. There's a reason why I get, guy gets into his 30s and he, he can't crack the NHL as a backup. There's just a, you know, it's just it's, – it's The pedigree's not difference. there. Yeah. Right, exactly. There's a subtle difference, but there's a difference. Yeah, it, I mean, it, he can come so and give Michael, me a spot start. Exactly, exactly. Like Michael Layton, AHL Hall of Fame goalie. Um, yep. You know, uh, Freddie Cassivi, AHL Hall of Fame goalie. But neither guy was able to hold down an NHL job. They had they had opportunities. They had stretches. Grossing hasn't 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 even had that. So while Sandstrom needs to be a lot more consistent, I do think he has the physical capability of being an NHL goalie. Just has to just has to prove it over you know over a period of time. Um, so I would I would say that he has the inside track right now. But my level of confidence in him being able to take the job and run with it, where Grossing isn't pushing him from the AHL level. I mean, I don't really have that yet, so it's a it's a concern until until they're we're given a reason for it to not be a concern. It's a concern. Yeah, to me, he needs sample size to ease our yeah. fears, and the problem is he's in a backup role and he's not going to see bulk action yeah. because you know because Carter's going to get you know the lot of the starts, and it's hard to be a backup, and it's hard to be a backup when you're trying to assimilate to the best league in the world. You know it. You know, there's certain guys in the league, very few guys. Who was it? Hutchinson down in uh, in Tampa or Carolina at one point. He could play every three weeks and yeah. give you a good game. Or McElhaney it was. Curtis McElhaney could play once every three weeks for Carolina and give you a good game, but not many guys can do that. That's that's really hard to do mentally. And yeah. I just, yeah. that's what I worry about. And, and it, is, it, is a very, it is a very hard role to play. Um in, in two fronts, because you have to be able, as you said, to go a stretch, sometimes a few weeks without a game and then be able to jump in and be sharp. Or if the number one falters or gets injured, you have to be able to take the job and run with it for a few weeks mm-hmm. too. that have the ability to do either one. There's, there's not a lot of guys that can do that. And it's not even a one, a one B situation because in that situation, it's almost a 50-50 split of, of playing time. So yeah. to, to play the backup role is tough. And, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't know yet that he can do it. Yeah, when you get into a season, practices are not developed for goaltenders. You know, they're, they're working on systems and, you know, often drills in practice aren't designed for goaltenders to simulate a game in a regular season. You don't have the, the energy, the stamina, the – you know, when you're grinding through 82 games, you cannot put practices in play like that, or else you're going to kill your team to just keep your backup ready. And, you know, obviously Fedotov was plan A, um, but we see that he signed that 
contract now. I'm going to keep him out of the military, presumably, Bill, but it's going to keep him in the in the KHL for three years. Yeah. It, 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 is there an opportunity for him to come over after one year in the KHL, or is he locked in for the next three years there? And should we kind of kiss Ivan Fedotov goodbye? Well, contracts in the KHL, sometimes there are, there are out clauses. Um, but I think they're good. I, I think by Nate, I don't think there's by many Nate, out clauses in his. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, and, and I think that the, I think the fact that, that, I mean, they, they really, they really had a hammer wheeled over his head, jail time or being, being sent to Ukraine. So yeah. I bet it's a pretty airtight contract that he's, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on saying. So that ship is probably unlikely, uh, very likely sailed, unfortunately, and we won't get a look at him. And uh, I feel for the young man because he wanted to come over and he wanted to try and cut his teeth in the in the best league in the world. And we're probably not going to be able to see that. Um, one last one for you, Bill. I said that was the last one, but I always have one more. At Christmas, come, what, three, four months from now, four months, what are we going to be saying about John Tortorella? Well, in a scenario that that goes according to the plan here, this this team seem this is a more competitive hockey team. They're in the game every night. Uh, they're they're not always winning, but it, it feels like there's an opportunity to win far more nights than not. And they're they're keeping the score down. You know, if they're if they're losing, it's three to two or or four to two with an empty net goal, but, but they're there and they're, they're hanging in and they're not a team. They're not a team that's, it's uh, volatile where they're, it seems like any adversity seems to make the team will yeah. that if, as, as long as, as long as that's the case, like around Christmas time as you're getting towards mid season, then I think they're on the right track. You know, if they're, so yeah. if he's still trying to, if he's trying to to do what the situation Mike Yo found himself in, where he's aren't trying to teach the game to a team, um, and hopefully there's a, a, a better lineup in place, so it'll be a healthier healthier team. But just in terms of the most basic things that really you shouldn't having be spending time on the NHL level, if they're doing that, which is exactly exactly what they're hoping not to do, then then it's then it's not going well, and then we're talking about okay. What other changes are, are we looking at here? Because you can't keep firing coaches. So, yeah. so I, I would say that uh, I, I would say the first quarter to half of a season, you know, all, all the stuff about structure and discipline and accountability, he's going to do his damnedest to make sure that's the case and to make sure those things aren't just talk, they're reality. If they're not, then then there's bigger problems. If if there are, then they, again they, they may you know they they may be under the playoff cutoff, not hopefully not by much, but but as long as they're they're flirting with it and, and they're competitive in games, and then, then I think that it's going pretty well. Yeah, I mean I think what I kind of look for is did he get certain players' attention? Yeah. You know what I mean? That, that's what I'm looking for, and I just wonder, you know, are the are the people that were that are torts haters or anti torts faction are they going to be puffing out their chest saying I told you so, or the people that were in favor of torts like myself? And look, I've been in favor of torts since two thousand eight. <laughs> I'm, I'm a a long timer when it comes to torts and wanting him here in Philly. Uh, or are we going to be saying I told you so? 
maybe neither of us will be doing that. We won't have the definitive answer on that yet. But, you know, there's still the narrative out there. I had saw a tweet earlier from a guy who said, you know, towards loves below average players, that hates young players and fun players and plays. His style is vanilla and all defensive all the time. So I just responded and I said, so I guess Torts hated Warinsky, who was real young, not below average, and an offensive star from the blue line. And I said to the guy, your tweet is as uneducated as anything I've seen over the past month. So congratulations. Time to log off. And you see that all through Torts' career. A lot of guys, a lot of creative players, and I think that's grown in his coaching ability over the years as well. Yeah, and, and I, I believe he means it when he says that, you know, show me something off the puck, show me the work ethic, show me the competitiveness you want, and go and be creative, make plays, you know, those kind of things. I mean, you know, you have to have everybody on the same page. So yeah. as long as everybody is contributing in, in a variety of different ways, you know, uh, as a collect as collectively as a team, then I don't think he's going to have an issue. You know, and uh, you know, I mentioned, I mentioned, I think it might have been last podcast or podcast before that. I, I thought that playing for Yo last season was good training for Morgan Frost to play for to play for Torts. Different styles. I mean, there won't be he'll he'll get all the tough love. He might not get as much praise when he's doing the right thing, but the praise will be that he continues to play. Yeah. But the things that the things that he was showing late in the season that had Yo happy, um, as long as he picks up where he left off, then he'll never have a problem. Yeah, with good primer. Yeah, so good that's pr- uh, primer. That, yeah. That's, yeah, that's that's really that's really what I think it boils down to. That as long as as long as you give Torts, you know, there's give and take. But as long as you give him essentially what uh, he's looking for, then he'll give you more rope to to be to create and make plays and those kind of things too. I don't I don't think it's all defense all the time. Yeah, Torts is a big dog guy. If you if you deliver on his non-negotiables, he will let the retractable leash out for you to yeah. to to be creative and make plays, no doubt about it. Bill, great stuff as always. Uh come up on tomorrow Tuesday's episode since we're back to 5 days a week. Ian LaPerriere uh, will be our guest. So join us on Tuesday for another brand new episode. Re- read Bill's stuff on NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. We'll catch you tomorrow on a brand new Flyers Day. Oh,